Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight. Our guest today is John Murphy, an award-winning author, speaker, business consultant, and zentrepreneur. Drawing on a diverse collection of experience as a corporate director, collegiate football player, spiritual mystic, and management coach, John has written 16 books and advised countless corporate clients on building businesses with presence. His newest book is about leadership and creating a culture of innovation and fearlessness in business, and by extension, in one's life. It is called Zentrepreneur, and I'm so pleased to welcome John Murphy. Thank you, Miriam. I'm so glad to be here. John, Zentrepreneur is such an evocative word, and the book builds up layers of understanding of the term. Can you give us a quick definition well, sure. It's uh, really the combination of two words, of course. It's uh, the combination of the word Zen and the practice of Zen. And it's not just about words. It's, it's the practice of being present, of being in the now, of being balanced and holistic and, uh, and very thoughtful about um, well-being, positive thinking and, and, and uh, healthy living. And then the practice of entrepreneurship, which is... Uh, taking those ideas and those thoughts and doing something with them, so making change. Those entrepreneurs take good ideas and act on them. And uh, I've, I've often said I think there's an entrepreneur in all of us. We all have ideas. We all have the ability to act uh, and the capacity to make good change. We don't always listen to ourselves and get out of our own way, but uh, we have the capacity. So, uh, and I also find that Zentrepreneurs uh, relate to the Zentrepreneurs in one another. So mm-hmm. we, we bring out the best in one another, um, and we experience uh, what I often call Zenergy, this, this inspirational source of energy that, that flows when, we are, when we're working with Zentrepreneurs, because it's, just, it's, it's, it's like light in the room. Something just feels different, and it inspires us to take action, to take risks, and to, and to make change, not, not fear it. Well, indeed, in, in the current um, climate, uh, economic climate, I think more and more people are being forced to rely on their own resources and become entrepreneurs, and, and uh, they would be well advised to become Zentrepreneurs. Let's look at your history. You started out as an all-American boy, a football player in high school and for Notre Dame. Then you entered the corporate world. Now, what turned you on to this spiritual or mystical path? Well, that's a great question, Marian, because on the surface, people think, oh, you know, you, you had it all. You were, you know, this all-American boy, as you put it, you, you know, uh, athletic and, and, and scholastic and, and, and whatnot. But uh, behind that, um, is a, a, a young boy who, uh, well, I, I like to I kid about this now, but, you know, I was born on Friday the 13th. My name is Murphy, as in Murphy's Law. Anything that <laughs> go wrong, it will. The worst possible time. I uh, had two near-death experiences by the age of three. Uh, we call that the charitable twos, of course, and I'm probably has something to do with that terminology. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, I had a lot of hard luck. I was told in high school I'd never play football again because I, I suffered a very severe foot accident. Uh, I had something to do with a lawnmower. And after 10 hours of surgery and a week in the hospital, the, the doctors all said, your football career is over and you'll be lucky to walk again without limping. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's those painful moments that suffering in life that awakens us sometimes to, uh, to the silver linings, to the grace that exists, the blessings in disguise, so to speak. And so, yeah, on the surface, it looks like, um, well, you know, you, you had it made, you had, you know, you did all these, these things. You, you must have been very fortunate growing up. I do believe I'm fortunate. No question about it. But, uh, it's the yin and the yang of life, the, the perfect balance. Every time something um, tough happens, there's a lesson on the other side of it. You know, adversity is a great way to learn more about who and what we really are and what we're capable of. So I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been broke. Um, you know, I've, I've had difficulties my whole life uh, in one way or another. And the thing I refuse to uh, do is feel like a victim, feel like, well, it's all because I was born on Friday the 13th and my name is Murphy and anything can go wrong at will. Because uh, I could have believed that. Um, and there were many times in my life where I actually thought about it. But that wouldn't have done me any good at all. So, like I said, there's a light burning inside all of us. It's our inspiration. It's our being in spirit. our fearlessness. It's our, it's our spirit looking for ways to express itself and to be free and to, and to, and to be creative. And... Uh, yeah, we're going to stub our toe once in a while. We're going to take a swing and miss. Uh, but that's no excuse to give up or, or not uh, not try again. I know I've had too many times over and over again. So it's all of these experiences, no one experience alone, that's led me on this journey and um, helped me awaken, so to speak, to to the silver linings that are, are around all of us. Hmm. Well, indeed, you, you talk about the light inside, and I think your, your whole book is an attempt to kind of blow on that little flame inside each of us and, and make it burn brightly. Um, what made you decide that the art of Zen was a good addition to the practice of business? Well, I'm, I'm a believer in thinking outside the box. I teach creativity. I, I use creativity every day to help people innovate. Um, you know, I'm a business consultant, and I'm working with clients all over the world, helping them innovate, um, I, I, you know, turning ideas into new, new manifestations, to new, new experiences that we can all enjoy. And uh, so in, in thinking outside the box, and I grew up uh, uh, Catholic, and... Um, uh, you know, reciting mantras every week, um, like I'm not worthy, and uh, you know, a couple I'm not worthy with Murphy's Law on Friday the 13th, and pretty soon you're just, you know, drawing in um, potentially a lot of uh, tough breaks. It's the law of attraction. Misery loves company, that kind of thing. So, I um, I started to explore, um, I, and I don't know, it's maybe just a calling or something. It was just in, in my intuition saying, um, you know, stretch, look outside the box a little bit. And I took up an interest in some of the ancient uh, teachings of uh, Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching, uh, the Buddha, and um, in, in, in the whole practice of uh, letting go of attachments and aversions and ignorance. And uh, it, it fascinated me because what I, what I found is that really what, you know, what the Buddha was teaching and what Lao Tzu were teaching and, and was teaching and what uh, Jesus was teaching were all essentially synonymous. Uh, they were all the same thing. 
and it was out about our experience with source energy with god and um it wasn't about somebody who had that experience it was about our own experience and um so i i started to realize and appreciate that i i have this direct experience with with source with with god and the more i get out of my own way the more that that life uh source flows through me and uh the more I let go, the more I let flow, so to speak, which is, which is a, a, a tool I use quite a bit and write about in one of my, my other books called Beyond Doubt. So it, it's been an evolution. And then I had the chance on my 50th birthday to, uh, to go visit the Dalai Lama. And um, so I learned a lot about, um, more about some of, some of his teachings on, uh, on letting go and the wisdom of emptiness. And, you know, we have to let go to let flow. So... It's, it's all been an evolution for me. It's not like I planned it. It's just I, I keep my mind and my, my ears and my heart open, and, and I take advantage of the opportunities as they express themselves. That's what an entrepreneur does. That's one of the points you made uh, frequently in your book, that this is a, a learning path for all of us. Uh, we never stop learning. I, I'm curious... Uh, you have consulted for some of the top corporations in the world. I mean, you know, uh, big uh, money-making conglomerates or money-losing conglomerates. Um, how did you kind of insinuate these more spiritual concepts into uh, the, the work that you were doing, and how was it accepted on the other end? But another great question. I'm actually with one of the largest companies in, in the United States today, um, out, out in New Jersey. And um, the uh, the way I do it is I don't talk about it. I demonstrate it. So by pulling a group of people together for a week at a time to run what we call a Kaizen event, which is, uh, yes, it is the Zen and kai, you know, in Kaizen. A kai, Kaizen is a Japanese word that essentially translates into good change. And a Kaizen event is a blitz. It's like put people in a room for three or four or five days and make good change very fast. So, you know, um, when, you, when you accomplish that, um, people are wowed. It's like, geez, we got more done in a week than we typically do around here in six months or a year. And, and I hear that quote quite frequently. By the way, these are oftentimes people who are uh, meeting each other for the first time on Monday and, um, and hugging each other on Thursday or Friday at the end of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. They come in skeptical. They come in afraid. They come in unsure. I, I mean, seriously, are we really going to get this done? We've tried for so many years to make these kinds of changes, and we keep getting tripped up. And, you know, it's, it's a few people up against the system, so to speak. And, and we get miraculous changes done in, in a matter of days. Um, and people are, like I said, they're blown away. They're really wowed. And the leadership team comes in, and they listen to these teams. Um, and there's a very disciplined method that we uh, take people through so that it's not pie in the sky. It's, it's very practical, very realistic, and it's, it's very powerful. Is it perfect? No, of course not. Um, that's a moving target. You know, the world continues to change and innovate. So even perfection today uh, wouldn't be perfection a year from now. You know, who wants a, uh, a, who wants a perfect uh, eight-track tape player anymore? You know, this is only good. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're always looking for positive change. That's what, that's what the spirit within each one of us is, is searching for. 
And we love it when we can express that um, in, in a forum where our ideas can not only be heard but acted upon. So that's what I do with Kaizen. And then people will come up to me and they'll say, how, how do you... Uh, one of the CEOs of a very large corporate corporation recently said to me, "What what like magic water do you have these people drinking? I don't you know what, <laughs> what what what's what's going on here." And, and so I will get questions like that, um, and I will respond to those questions then with some of the deeper techniques that I use to let to let go of fear and get fear out of the way and get uh, doubt and limiting beliefs. Because we all run on programs, essentially. And if you hit the delete button and you get rid of some of these subconscious programs, um, these deeper habits that we all have that we don't even know we have, um, life just opens up and unfolds in amazing ways. And so I demonstrate that, and then people ask about it. And then if the audience is right, I reveal. I reveal it. But a lot of people aren't quite ready for it, and so I don't push it. I, I just it, Because pushing it would just result, result in pushback. And that's yeah. something very common that, that people do. We push and we get pushed back, so we push harder and we get more pushed back. And we go through life pushing and dealing with resistance, and a lot of it's our own resistance to letting go. And so when we actually let go and pull rather than push, everything's different. Well, those seem to be sort of the two pillars of uh, businesses. One is effort, push, do you know accomplish power through and the other is this climate of fear of well who gets to carry the can is it my fault if something goes wrong who can i blame uh, yeah you... that's all come. yeah so uh, go ahead i'm sorry yeah i i just wanted to know um how do you address these specifically well it's coming from insecurity uh which which comes from ego thinking so um, you know, and a lot of people won't admit it. They'll pretend like they're not insecure, but it's, it's, it shows up in their behavior. You can tell, you can tell immediately if somebody's insecure by their behavior. You mm-hmm. know, they have to take credit for things. Um, they have to push. They have to resist. Uh, there's, there's, there's fear and doubt, um, underneath that insecurity. And so, um, it, the insecurity, by the way, doesn't teach anywhere because people can read it and they can feel it. Um, so we have to let go of the insecurity, and the, and the way we do that is by uh, letting go, number one, of, of these, these subconscious habits that we have um, where it's true teamwork. It's not about the individual on the team trying to, to, to win over everybody else or get credit. It's about the team being successful and reaching its mission where everybody shares in that. So. It's what I call weopic thinking versus meopic. You know, meopic would be what's in it for me, and weopic is what's in it for the we, for the team. Mm-hmm. So what we find is that um, a creative problem-solving technique would be, for example, if, if we've got option A from somebody who's really pushing option A, and we've got option B from somebody else, and they're really pushing option B, and we're, we've got this A versus B debate going on, you know, I'll come in and say, let's explore option C and D. And they look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, and let's, let's look for option C and D. We obviously don't agree on A and B, so let's not fight. Let's, let's, let's explore. And that gets mm-hmm. people outside the box of A and B, A versus B, B versus A. Let's get outside of that box, put it aside, and let's come up with option C and D. And, and guess what we usually go with? 
P-E-D or F. <laughs> they're not, you know, the whole idea of getting creative takes us to options we never would have found before. And we, it gets us completely out of that A versus B, and it helps us get past these insecurities and these doubts and, and everything. And, and people go, geez, that would be amazing if we could do option D or F. Um, what's that going to take? Well, let's figure that out. Let's, let's propose it, and let's see what we, we can do to get it done. And um, it's just it's fascinating for me to, to be able to come into different companies and cultures and, and, and countries and, and languages and groups of people and find this common pattern among all of us, which is we want to do good. We want to uh, turn good ideas into good results or great results. We want to actually make positive change. And a lot of people think that, you know, we resist change, that people naturally resist change. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're all designed for change. We, we're supposed to change. We're supposed to grow. We're, you know, it's like uh, the seasons. You know, try to stop the seasons. Um, try to stop um, grass from growing green. Try to stop an oak tree from growing tall. You know, the, 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 the true uh, nature of Zen is, uh, is that we're all here to grow. And we're all here to learn, and we're all here to expand and, and, and explore. That's the spirit within us. And the trouble is we get in our own way or we get in each other's way. And, and all I really do is help get things out of people's way so that that natural process can take its course. Uh-huh. I love um, what you, the, the process that you do with saying, what if, why, and why not? Can you expand on that? Well, sure, those are the first three chapters of the book, Entrepreneurs. So um, each chapter, as you know, is, is a very simple and elegant question that takes us to a profound learning, profound discovery. That's the, that's the wisdom in, 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 the, in the book, if you will. And so, you know, we start with what if. Um, you know, what if we try this new idea? What if we try option C or D or E or F? What if we uh, write a book? What if we uh, change this process? What if we eliminate this step? The what if opens us up. It opens up the mind to explore options and alternatives and, and creative uh, solutions. Uh, chapter two, why, uh, challenges us to explore all the reasons why we should do it. What value does it add? How is this going to make things any better? How is this going to um, be rewarding in more ways than one? The, the chapter three, the why not, uh, gives us a whole other perspective on the very same idea. So I've got this what-if idea. I can see all the reasons why I should do it. And a lot of times people stop right there. They try the idea, and then they, 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 they run into all of these uh, potential failure modes that they hadn't contemplated or considered ahead of time. So the question, why not, is, well, why not do it? Before you just become too biased toward this idea that you really want to do, stop and consider what could go wrong. Why not do it? Uh, what are the risks? And then come up with uh, countermeasures to those risks. Because a lot of entrepreneurs fail. You know, they have an idea and they try it and they, it doesn't work. And that's because they really haven't done the, the, the complete analysis. You know, there's another chapter, you know, in the book called Yeah, But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But, you know, chapters all about, um, we've all run into this, the resistance. You know, I've got this idea and I think this is going to work and here's how I want to do it. If somebody's bound to say, yeah, but, you know, we've always done it this way, or yeah, but, that won't work, and here's why, and yeah, but, you're, um, 
you're not old enough or you're not young enough, you're not smart enough, or you're something's, you know, it's resistance. And so the abbot is a resistance. And smart uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs uh, expect that. You know, it's not like it's bad. We expect the abbots because there might be some value in the abbots. Maybe it's something we didn't think about. So, you know, each of the chapters, as you know, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's simple titles, but they stretch us. And I give examples of, of, of uh, how I've applied these different questions throughout my lifetime uh, to really not only explore, but then to turn the ideas into amazing results in some cases. And I think it's important to point out that, yeah, you will fail, and it doesn't matter. Uh, how do you well, deal yeah, with how do you deal with failure? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't believe in it, number one, because it's a label that we give something, just like we label all kinds of stuff. And um, to me, um, failure is just not an option. Okay, so failure to me would be quitting. Failure to me would be giving up. Failure to me would be accepting a victim consciousness. Like, you know, I'm a loser or, you know, I, I just can't do it. I, I just, I, that's not part of my vocabulary. So, for example, you know, if a baseball player steps up to the plate and strikes out and calls that failure, um, I don't see it that way uh, because the only way you can get a hit is by taking that risk and learning from the experience. So this would be like Thomas Edison when he was asked, many years ago by a journalist how he could possibly continue his experiment after over 9,000 failures that didn't work uh, when he was, uh, was working on the light bulb. And his response was, I haven't failed yet. I've learned 9,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> People laugh sometimes when they, when they hear that, but that was his mindset. Yeah. I haven't failed yet. I've learned 9,000 ways that don't work. So to me... Um, you know, we have outcomes that we don't like, okay? But I don't, I don't consider it failure, you know? I've, I've hurt myself uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. I've, you know, I've lost a lot of money over the years in different ways. I've, I've, uh, but I've rebounded. You know, I've made it all back. I've rebounded from my injuries. I've rebounded from my losses. And the reason I've rebounded is because I didn't accept uh, failure as an option, so to speak. To me, it was just a, uh, a, a stepping stone, a, a learning opportunity. Uh, so I, I, I really think that uh, that's a, a, a paradigm shift for a lot of people because they don't think of uh, um, undesirable effects that way. You know, they, they're beating themselves up, and I should have done this, and I should have done that, and they're, as some people say, they're shooting on themselves. And... Um, <laughs> I, I recommend that you not do that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the tools that, um, or, or a couple of the tools that you use in your corporate settings are, one, brutal honesty. And I guess people are not always used to that. And the other is to challenge one's assumptions. Um, I actually uh, worked in uh, a world not uh, a million miles away from what you're doing. Um, have you ever heard of Ellie Goldratt? The... Oh, sure. The goal. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. Oh, um, 
Jonah. Jonah. Yeah, yeah. I actually worked with him for six years, and I edited the first volume version of the goal. Okay. Um, And uh, challenging one's basic assumptions, how it's always been done, um, is I think really critical to to opening up your mind to allowing for other possibilities. Well, to me, it's all about challenging your assumptions because we so often confuse fact and assumption. We don't know the difference. So people are debating all the time. They're arguing over opinions. Uh, when neither one of them has their facts straight. And the, the, and the real challenge is that oftentimes the data can be very misleading. You know, we can stand outside and look at the earth and say, geez, it looks flat to me uh, from a whole <laughs> different perspective, such as outer space. Well, it's round. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not flat. Um, from earth, you know, um, the data would seem, well, we're not, we're not moving at all. You know, we're, we're standing still. And um, from another perspective, it's say, well, no, actually, you're moving through space at 68,000 miles an hour, spinning on that ball at 1,100 miles an hour. Don't you feel that? And so the data, the actual facts, can be so far from what we perceive to be true, we don't know the difference. So yet we go through life thinking we know it all or thinking that we can figure it all out or thinking that we can always be right or thinking that... Uh, we can actually control things. And the truth is, uh, control is an illusion in, in many ways. And uh, thinking we can figure it all out is, is, is like chasing ghosts. So that's all part of the resistant human nature. It's part of the ego thought system, that fear-based, dualistic, right, wrong, us, them, good, bad perspective. And to let go of that is truly divine. Because let go of that dualistic, um, you know, heaven or hell, right, wrong, um, good, bad, judgmental perspective um, is, is, is strange to people. Like, well, no, of course there's good and there's bad. Uh, but great mystics have written this for years. Rumi once wrote, you know, there, there's a field beyond right and wrong. I'll meet you there. I love that quote because it's, it's contemplative. And, uh, and, and, and the contemplative, the mystic, is one who actually looks at things from a very open, unbiased, seeking to understand perspective, not a critical, judgmental perspective. Yet, you know, you turn on the television, you, you, you listen to the news, you, you listen to people debating and arguing day after day after day. Um, and in just about every one of the cases, none of them have the actual facts. They've got data that seems to be factual, but it's not. They think they've got it all figured out. They think they know right from wrong, and they just simply don't. But it creates wars. My religion's better than your religion. You know, I'm doing this in the name of God, um, and the people defending are doing it in the name of God. So (laughs) what's really going on here? Mm -hmm. And uh, that dualistic mindset is what um, strips peace and equanimity, um, and then, if you will, away from all of us, it's, it's a trap. So we have to learn to, to uh, step back and open our minds, challenge uh, assumptions beginning with our very own and not everybody else's, because we're pretty good at challenging everybody else's, uh, but not always our own. And when we yeah. do that, we, we, we learn to really open up and see the world in a very different light. Indeed.
And of course, one of the uh, core aspects of that separatist thinking is the zero-sum game uh, approach, where if if you win, I lose, and vice versa. So um, one of the things I uh, see that you encourage is this win-win thinking. How do you find it most... Um, what is the access point in the group that can that actually makes that blossom? Well, the first thing we have to do is know the difference between positions and interests. This is a common negotiation um, strategy and technique. And you know, most of us have common interests. We we, we seek uh, health. We seek balance. We seek prosperity. We we seek to be secure. And, and we seek to feel good. So we have common interests. The, the trick is we've got different positions on how to accomplish that. So I've got option A and you've got option D, and we, we go to battle over option A versus option D when we both have the same interests in mind in the long run. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here we are battling over A and B, battling over positions, and losing sight of our common interests. So this gets back to what I said earlier about let's, let's explore option C, D, and E. And let's remember that we, uh, we have some common things in mind. So getting back to true teamwork, what is it we're, we can agree on in terms of our overall mission, our overall intentions, our interests? What do we really want to accomplish? Let's be clear about that. And then let's explore different pathways to accomplish it because there's always more than one solution. There's always more than one option and, and pathway to, to get there. Uh, the problem is, is we get trapped into thinking that it, my way is the highway, my way is the best way, you know. Um, and then we start battling over these pathways when, and we, we forget, we lose sight that there are, there are other ways to accomplish the, the objective. Mm -hmm. So the true innovator, you know, the true fearless leader, the true entrepreneur recognizes that there are a number of different ways we can accomplish a win-win solution. First thing we have to do is uh, identify what we have in common, what we have, what we all have an interest in, and then let's just, then let's before we cast judgment and get too critical, let's let's suspend that disbelief, suspend that judgment, explore uh, a multiple of solutions, and then let's see what we can do to find one that that meets everyone's needs. It seems to me that there's another element uh, there that you actually also mentioned in your book, which is that people cannot do it all alone. And that would seem to involve an element of trust in the other person, that they have the same, are aligned around the same goals. Would you say that's well, absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing. If we don't trust other people, it's an indication we don't trust ourselves. Uh -huh. You know, the, the world around us is just a big reflection of who of us. Okay, what we see in the world is what's going on internally inside each one of us. So if we see violence in the world, it's, it's revealing violence within us. We're not the ones at peace. Um, so we see a world not at peace. Everything we see out, outside is, is going on inside. And that's, that's the hidden part that people don't realize. That's the subconscious, the beneath the consciousness stuff. So, you know, in the world, we'll never be at peace if, 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 if we're not at peace. So we have to start with our, our own inner world, what's going on internally. Why, why don't I trust people? 
Okay, and, and why don't I um, trust myself? Because that's the deeper question. What am I afraid of? Why am I insecure? Why do I think I'm going to be taken advantage of? Uh, because all I'm doing, if I believe that subconsciously, is projecting that out onto the world and through the law of attraction, I'm, I'm attracting it back into my own um, evidence, my, uh, my, own, my own life. So I'm always going to see what I'm looking for. I'm always going to experience what I, I feel internally. It's the law of attraction. So we, we got to start by looking at, you know, um, what can I do to build more confidence and more trust within myself? And when I do that, um, I'm going to see more and more opportunities to trust people around me. And you'll see this with very confident athletes, for example. Very confident athletes trust their coaching. They, their coaches, they, they, they trust their teammates, okay? They build on one another. And it doesn't matter if you're an athlete, if you're a writer, you know. I mean, I have to trust my editors. I have to trust the designers. I have to trust the publishers. I have to trust uh, the distributors, the publicists, the marketers. Um, there's a team around all of us, whether we realize it or not. And anybody who thinks they do it all on their own is, is, is just behaving with ignorance. They don't, know, they don't know what they don't know. Uh, which is true of all of us. We, we don't know what we don't know. Um, but we're part of a larger system and part of an, a larger you know, ecosystem, part of a larger community, no matter who we are, where, what we're doing, or where we are. So the more we can leverage ourselves within that community, attract help, attract support, attract good counsel, okay, uh, the, the more we're going to empower ourselves. And I always say this to people, the wise, pay attention to the wise. Pay attention to who you pay attention to. Are you getting good advice? Are you getting good counsel? Uh, how do you know? Um, because in many cases, we're listening to people give, who are free, freely giving us advice that's lousy. You know, they're, 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 not, they're not walking their own talk, but they're free to, they're free to advise us on how to, how to be at peace when they're, they're, they're potentially miserable themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, you gave many wonderful examples in the book of institutional change. Do you want to uh, perhaps just uh, tell the story of one Kaizen circle uh, that uh, will illustrate your approach? Sure. I mean, gosh, I do I do Kaizen's all the time. So there's I mean, doing it for many years. But there's you know there's uh, I even call some of them miracle Kaizen's where there's just amazing things that, that have happened in a matter of days that people just uh, couldn't imagine. But but on a very practical level, I remember doing one. It was in Michigan, um, and on Monday at uh, the first break, one of the, uh, the, the the team leads, one of the people I was training. Um, we refer to these folks as black belts, um, not martial arts black belts, but um, uh, in this case, Lean Six Sigma black belts, which is just a process equipment kind of toolkit, came up to me and he said, geez, I think we have a problem, John. And I said, what's that? And he said, uh, well, we heard some of the people on the team talking about how they think our goal for Thursday is, is outrageous. It's crazy. They, they wonder what we're smoking. They think that this whole thing is... Uh, is, is ridiculous. And my response to him was, good. And he looked at me like, what, what do you mean, good? I said, well, um, when we actually deliver the goal on Thursday, that'll really blow their minds. That's culture change. That's, that's empowerment. That's inspiration. 
So he was looking at it kind of from, a, uh-oh, we're mm-hmm. in trouble, uh, there's resistance, there's disbelief, there's skepticism, there's doubt, there's fear, there's insecurity. And I was looking at it from a, well, that's normal. <laughs> what do you think a miracle is? It's, it's shifting perceptions, it's shifting paradigms, it's waking people up to see things very differently and never forget it. So on, uh, on Monday, we continued to proceed through our a game plan, so to speak. And uh, our objective was to take a 19-hour process and do it in four hours. Um, and by the way, the 19-hour process had a, a variation around it, a range of 15 hours to 29 hours. So nobody ever knew how long it was going to take. It was so, so variable. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we said we're going to do it in four hours. And we figured out a way to do it in four hours, but the team didn't understand that yet. They were looking at it through their own paradigm, their own box of 19 hours on average thinking, what are they going to do, put red capes and big S's on all of our chest and have us learn <laughs> to fly like Superman? And, uh, you know, the answer was, no, that's not what we're going to do at all, but we're going to teach you some best practices from other companies around the world, and uh, you're actually, it's going to be easier. We're going to, this is the paradoxical nature of much of what I teach. We're going to work slower, but the process is going to move faster. We're going to do less, but we're going to accomplish more. Uh, we're going to work easier, but we're going to, um, you know, get much greater results. So really challenging the paradigm that, you know, it takes hard work to uh, to be successful. And uh, no, it doesn't. It takes smart work to be successful. So the, uh, the punchline of all of this is that on Thursday, um, we, uh, you could, you, you, some people could say we failed. <laughs> Although I don't like that word, as you know. But we, uh, we did it in four hours and 20 minutes. So here's the, here's the, the clincher. The team now on Thursday was, and, and, and by the way, the, uh, the executive vice president of this multi-billion dollar company came out to actually witness this um, for himself. But the team was now kicking themselves at the end of this for doing it in four hours and 20 minutes when they knew they could do it in under four hours and they knew exactly what they had to change to accomplish that. So they went from on Monday thinking it was absolutely impossible to on Thursday thinking not only was it possible, but they were absolutely certain they could do it. And incidentally, this was many years ago, and I went back to visit this company just a couple of years ago, and uh, they've been sustaining it ever since. Mm-hmm. So it's a sustainable practice, a sustainable change. It's worth a considerable amount of money. The employees love it. It's a high impact uh, uh, on the on a positive impact on the on the customers and clients. So um, it's a typical Kaizen where there's a lot of skepticism and doubt early in the week, and at the end of the week, people are um, are hugging each other, embracing each other, saying, "When's the next one going to be?" So the the shift was really from we can't do it to we can do it, from looking at the. Uh, elements individually to looking at the system as a whole and getting into the flow. I remember from my work many years ago that usually we found at the core of blockages and bottlenecks some management decisions. We were able to trace the, the blockages to kind of edicts from on high, and you can actually kind of internalize it in your own life 
that it's your own limiting beliefs that are causing the blockages in your own life. I just love the way it all fits together. Um, well, exactly, yeah, exactly. People don't even realize they're, they're going through life with the brakes on. It's their own limiting beliefs. It's, it's true of all of us. It's our own limiting beliefs, what we can and can't do, what we should and shouldn't do, um, that, that, uh, that hold us back. So true empowerment is, is hitting, learning how to hit the delete button on some of these programs. These, they're subconscious, which means we don't even know they're there. They're beneath the, the conscious level, so to speak. They show up in our habits and our tendencies. That's how we identify them and reveal them. And then once we reveal them, we have to learn techniques, which which I teach these techniques, some of these techniques, where to hit the delete button. How do I just, it's like a computer. You know, it's not going to run well if it's got full of viruses. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot of mental viruses. So how do I hit the delete button, clear my, you know, clear these out of my subconscious mind um, so that I, you know, I get the results that um, I want in life and I'm not... Uh, tripping all over myself. John, do you have some tools that aspiring entrepreneurs can use to apply in their own lives, maybe turn on their own Zenergy? Yeah, well, I, I, I do. I have a lot of different tools in the toolbox. Um, it, you know, the, the, the idea of the book Entrepreneur is to start with, hey, what about uh, some very simple questions? You know, so, so questioning, the art of questioning, is a very powerful uh, set of tools in your toolkit. So the, the book Entrepreneur is designed as a tool to say, let's start with some fundamental questions like what if and why and why not and who and how. And, um, and when we uncover then some of the things that uh, are, are in the way, some of the, the yeah buts, um, what, what's next? So, you know, business planning for one, it, you know, just questions around how am I going to market my business? How am I going to fund it? How am I going to resource it? Uh, who is my client? What are they, what's value in the eyes of the client? Uh, what am I going to get paid for? And, uh, you know, what are some clever ways to, uh, to, to get that value delivered to the market in better, faster, lower cost methods? Um, but, but a lot of the tools are, are not just about the business itself and the business planning process and the business execution process, but about the leadership uh, itself. So wh- where is the leadership um, likely to struggle? And this is where we get into these limiting beliefs. So there's tools like emotional freedom technique, meridian tapping, uh, meditation-type tools where we learn how to just clear our our minds, clear our hearts, clear our chakras, so to speak, our energy centers, our, you know, our channels, so that we just feel more confident and more present every day. Uh, that's very powerful. And uh, so, yeah, there's, two, there's those tools. Um, there's just, you know, the, the, the other thing is this, is, uh, and I teach, you know, dozens and dozens of tools to, to, to these black belts and leadership team members, project leaders, and executives uh, around the world. But the key is that it's really not about the tools. I use this metaphor a lot. If you've got a, a customer um, who's got a leaky faucet and you're a plumber and you show up to, uh, to help your customer solve that problem, um, do, do you think they want to know how many tools you're going to use and what tools you're going to use and why that tool? Uh, and most cases, they don't. What they really want is just fix the leak, and they want it done quickly, and they want it done right the first time, and they want a fair price. And they'd like a user-friendly service. That, that's what really business boils down to. So you've got a market out there uh, with leaks. 
with, with meaning with opportunities, okay, with, with uh, problems. So um, you've got a van full of tools, but the real magic in being successful as an entrepreneur is to know well, what tool do I, do I need to pull out of my, my truck, my toolkit, to fix the leak so that my, my client is excited and happy and pleased and thankful and is going to be an advocate for me and to go out and tell other people just how, how great it was doing business with me. That's the real secret to entrepreneurship is to create customer advocates, you know, customer promoters, people out promoting your business. So uh, I, th I think that's very important. You know, I've run my business now for 25 years, and I've never had a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's impressive. So, uh, well, again, yeah, again, the idea is to get the market, you know, talking very positively about you so that uh, you don't have to uh, hire people to go out and, and, and do a lot of selling. I'm not, nothing against having, you know, great sales salespeople. Um, it's just more about um, getting your customers to help, help with that process. One of the, I think, your secret weapons, really, um, comes back down to the word Zenergy. It's the sort of energetic mindset, energetic uh, field that you create around you. Can you expand upon that? Because it was just so compelling in your book. Well, there's life force. That, that, that animates all of us. It's like it, it, it's, you, it, you can put whatever you know label on it you want, but um, you know we're we're alive, and there's a life a force flowing through us, a chi energy, if you will. And um, so you you can see it when you walk into a room full of people. What's the, pay attention to it. You know what's the what's the feel in the room? Is it animated? Is it lively? Are people excited? Are they being creative? Are they being innovative? Or are they, does it just feel dead? Does it feel um, dark, gray? And uh, I do believe that some people light up the room, so to speak. Um, may not be very visible, but certain people will want to come into the room, and, and, and it, it just seems to be a change in energy, a shift. And so that's what I refer to as this energy. This energy is this a, bit, a, a way to just channel life force uh, into a team, into a room, where people feel alive, they feel creative, they feel uh, uninhibited and free to express themselves, to speak up, you know, and, and take a little bit of a risk. And it's in those environments that we really get um, creative. And we really find um, amazing ways to, to go forward. We find those options, C, D, E, and F. Um, and we get outside of the, the battles we might be fighting over option A versus option B. And by doing that, people feel great. They go home, they tell their spouses about the, about this amazing experience they had that day. They, they, they start to see opportunities to apply some of this at home as well as at work. I, I hear this all the time from people. They, they show up in the morning and they say, I had a dream last night about this or that. And it's, so it's finding, you know, this, this energy is finding its way into their dreams. Um, it's it's contagious. It's powerful, and uh, and, and it's um, to me again, it's it's our inspiration. It's it's our it's our soul um, calling out. It's it's giving us gratitude. Thank you for for setting me free. 
Mm, beautiful. Where do people go to find out more about you, more about your book? Do you have a website? Sure, yeah. Well, my, my business website is uh, VentureManagementConsultants.com. Adventure as in nothing ventured, nothing gained. So, <laughs> so uh, VentureManagementConsultants.com. Yeah, you can see all of the books um, that I've written on that website. All 16 of them. Yep, yep. Um, they can see, uh, they can also go to johnjmurphy.net and uh, find me there. You can just, you can also just Google my name. There's a lot of John Murphys in the world, but if you Google my name along with uh, a, a word like uh, leadership, teamwork, um, entrepreneur, uh, I'll, I'll pop right up. And you can certainly Google entrepreneur, and it's, uh, it'll pop right up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's, it's right there. Very cool. Well, you know, one uh, other one other website I'll share too, uh, Miriam. There's a website called Let Go Now Workshop. Uh, Let Go Now Info. It's a workshop I offer on some of these letting go techniques that we talked about. So the Let Go Now Workshop is you can, you can visit that on Let Go Now Info. And, and is that another way it, to find me? Is that for um, anybody or primarily for business people? No, no, this is, uh, I just did one in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, this past weekend. It's, um, it's, it's on a select basis, you know, it's, if a, if a corporation wanted to, to, uh, to contract me to come in and I have a couple of people that I come in and do it with, uh, we'd be, we'd do that. And then we, uh, we offer a few public sessions every year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's also on Facebook, Let Go Now Workshop on Facebook. Okay. So, um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, our time has gone by very quickly. John Murphy, author of Zentrepreneur, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Miriam. I appreciate it. You'll find Zentrepreneur on our website, along with thousands of other books and films equally inspiring. That's at ncreview.com. You'll find our entire podcast archive and lots of other goodies. Our guest next week, all the way from England, is the very impressive scholar, Freddy Silva. He'll be talking about his latest book, The First Templar Nation. I should think it will be quite fascinating, so do join us. And now we're going to close, most appropriately, with our track of the week by Jana Stanfield called Dare to Be.
frustration. Hello, I'm living my life by my design. Breaking these chains that bind my mind. Learning to color outside the to be by the amazing Janice Stanfield from her album Let the Change Begin. Jana is a humorist, songwriter and educator who combines laughter, wisdom and her million-selling songs into an interactive experience that generates fun and positive action. Her website is janastanfield.com and Jana is a member of the Positive Music Association one of the growing group of musicians who use music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. The PMA website is positivemusicassociation.com. And if you're looking for a speaker or performer for your next event, I invite you to visit our new speakers bureau, luminaryvoices.com. Well, that's our show for today. I do hope you'll join us next week. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight.